Amen. Thank you so much, Chandler. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, hey, three quick things. Uh, everyone say one. One. All right. If you have a hold on your account, uh, just a quick announcement. You can go to the depot today, and they have specific tables around the depot where you can talk to the person that you need to talk to to get your hold removed. Uh, everyone say two. Okay, two. Tonight, as a part of the week of prayer and service, we have a worship night that's happening in the stud, in the student center at 8 p.m., um, and there is chapel credit that will be offered for that. It's going to be led by one of our student bands, so you can come out tonight, 8 p.m., uh, for a worship night, uh, just in the context of another opportunity to get together and to gather together to worship uh, for this week of prayer and service. And then everyone say three. Three. Okay. Today is the last day that you can sign up for Thursday's day of prayer and service to pack meals and to participate on the prayer walks. How many people have signed up so far? All right. Everyone just hold your hand, turn to somebody who didn't, and say, sign up. Okay. So sign up today. Um, sign up today. Today is your last day and uh, to sign up, and then we have to collect those numbers and then make the right preparations. So there's four times to sign up to pack meals. We'll be packing 100,000 meals. Um, that we're going to be sending to, to kids across the world. Um, and then we're going to be three different time slots to, to uh, pray. How many know there's snow coming? All right. We can still, that's not so, that's okay. We can still walk and pray in the snow. And uh, perhaps one of them in our neighborhood, it might be uh, with our snow shovels and shoveling some driveways and uh, praying for some homes and for, for some, some of our neighbors. So, um, all right. So last uh, and, uh, and best of all for this morning, um, this, this week, yesterday and today, we've had really the, uh, the Toledo dynamic duo here. And uh, we've had Pastor Al Toledo and his wife Chrissy here with us. And uh, Pastor Al uh, spoke yesterday, and uh, his wife, as he would probably say, his better half is going to be sharing today. And large in part, her, her testimony um, uh, really of the power of prayer and of how she has strayed and how she has wandered, how she's come back to uh, the Lord. And uh, she is the daughter of Pastor Jim and Carol Simbola, who were the founding pastors of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. Um, and she's always had a love for music and is really operating in the same gifting as her mom and has been directing music uh, first at a, at a Bible college in New England. and But since 2002, Pastor Alan Christie have been pastoring uh, Chicago Tabernacle um, and along with their two uh, daughters and son and uh, grandkids, um, they, they, they live in Chicago and uh, have been serving and ministering there for the last 17 years. And so really honored and excited to have uh, Chrissy Toledo with us today. So would you please give her a warm Northwestern welcome as she comes to the stage. And uh, let's extend. Ooh. Oh, it's the mic. Don't worry. That's what. <laughs> Does it still work? Oh, is it working? Great. It is. There it is. All right. Good. Well, we're going to pray. And. Let's One, that that doesn't happen again. We'll pray for the mic. Um, let's pray. Extend a hand out as we pray over Chrissy and a hand up as we pray over ourselves. So. Praise God. Father in heaven, thank you so much that because of your grace, we can come to you as we are. I thank you that there is no sin too great. There is no distance too far that your grace cannot reach and cannot build up and cannot bring us back home. Father, thank you so much for bringing your daughter, our sister in Christ, Chrissy, here. I pray that as she shares, that she would be filled with your spirit, that you would give her an anointing to speak and to testify to your gospel of grace. 
And Lord, that our hearts would be open and receptive and attentive, fully leaning in and engaged and aware <clears throat> of your presence with us right here, right now, in this time and space, and that we would encounter you together and that we would be changed further into your image. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see you, and thank you for that prayer. That means a lot to me. Um, I'm just really inclined to tell you this morning before I, I start, and I, we just have a couple minutes together. I know you need to get to your next class, but I felt just inclined to tell you, I am a mom and a grandma, but I'm not saying it from that vantage point, um, that you are extremely special. I don't know the last time anybody on campus or anybody on the phone back at home told you how special and precious you are and most of all to God and I think that that's one of the reasons you're here listening to me today is because God just wants to remind you so how many say amen to that amen. extremely special to God so um, I I'm gonna share a little bit of my story my whole story is in a book that I wrote called girl in the song I wrote it a couple years ago it's the hardest thing I ever did in my life because I had to write about the years that I was away from God. And how many of you have had to visit things, maybe to testify to someone? Um, you know, you want to tell them how great God is, but then when you visit that thing, it's like, oh my gosh, I forgot how terrible that was or how hard that was. Revisiting those scenes to write my book was painful, and I felt like the Apostle Paul when he said, death is at life in me, so that life would be uh, at work in someone else. And so even today, as I prepared to talk to you, I was like, I had to go back to times in my life and it's not easy, but it's so awesome when God has done a miracle in your life. I know there's a lot of you out here today that God has done a miracle in your life. Like naturally you shouldn't be at the school, but you're here because of his mercy. How many would fall into that category? Okay, I know you haven't had long lives necessarily, but some of you have been through some stuff. And I think it's so awesome that we're all here today. So I grew, I grew up in a, in a pastor's home. I had legit awesome parents, not just a loving home, but I had parents who um, loved God and they loved God's people. Um, they loved people in general. As a matter of fact, we had like the picture-perfect home, mom and dad, I was the first kid, but my parents felt, my dad felt a call to ministry. And of all places, he took a church in the ghetto, right where my husband's from, in Brooklyn. So my story opens up with this little girl. I'm like three years old, four years old, walking with my dad, who I was like my best friend, and walking through this neighborhood where our church was, walking by derelicts, prostitutes, you name it, that's my earliest memories. It was crazy. Like that's, and because that's all I knew, it was like, this is great. I love my life. It's so colorful. It's so exciting. You know, I didn't think people lived differently. This was my experience. So I saw a lot of pain as a little girl. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, if you asked me what sin was, I would tell you it's that thing that makes people sad. 
That's what I saw, because when I thought of sin, I thought of the girl who walked into our church with tracks going up her arms when, when heroin was the drug of choice back then. When I thought of sin, I thought of my dad crying, pleading with a couple, you know, on the phone, don't, don't leave each other, telling the husband, you, you got to come back to God, who had been, let's say, unfaithful to his wife. Like, I just was like, I don't want anything to do with that. But the enemy had a plan to try to kill me, to try to destroy me. And um, here I came from parents that, like, it was so clear that God had a plan for their lives. I totally could get my head around that. But never thought that God had already carved out a plan for my life. And that was the whole reason that the enemy was about to try to sabotage that plan. And you know, he has a plan for me still. He has a plan for every one of you. That is amazing. The thought that God in heaven, like you guys have an amazing campus here, the water, the trees, and they're not even, like we're gonna see, I heard the landscape is outstanding. The God who made that carved out a plan for each and every one of us. Amazing. For me, for you, part of the plan for my life was to stand on this date in front of you. One day, he's, as part of his plan for your life, you're going to do things that you're like, whoa, what am I doing here? This is incredible. But it's already been planned. Now, there's an enemy, as we all know, who his, he absolutely hates the plan of God. He hates everything to do with God's kingdom. He hates everything to do with God's plan for his kingdom, right? So what does he do? He comes in as soon as possible with a different kind of plan. Now, in my case, and I can't give you my whole story, the, let's say, the climax of that attack on my life took place in a Bible college, in a Christian college just like this. Actually, in a school just like this, on a day just like this, it was late at night, and I came back from where I shouldn't have been. And I came into my room. I saw a light under the door. It's dark. It's past curfew. There were strict rules at this school. It was in Louisiana. Strict rules. And I knew I was coming in past curfew, but I was so blind because I was so obsessed with this relationship I had. I became like a total idiot like a fool but sin makes you a fool right so I'm like strolling in after curfew and it's dark but there's a light under my door and I'm thinking why would the light be on under my door and I'm just coming in like nothing not even thinking of the what I just did how dirty and how sinful life I was living the sinful life I was living so I open the door and on my bed you guys was the Dean of Students just imagine the Dean of Students sitting on your bed it was a woman, by the way. <laughs> I think that was worse. She was this big lady, and she looked at me, and I see all my stuff off the dressers, out of the closet, and my stuff is stacked in boxes, already packed up, and she says, you, you do not belong here, and you're out of here, and I called your father. And you gotta understand the kid I was. Like, I did everything to make my parents proud. My parents were going through, you talk about stress of the ministry, like the sin I just talked about, like 
battling it out with the devil every day just to do and serve people, to do right and to serve people. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do. So what I did was I kept these secrets. I can't go into the whole story. I hope that God would make a way for you to get a hold of my story and read it in, in, in its entirety. But um, string of lies, I become this other person they don't even recognize, but they did not know that I had this whole thing going on <clears throat> behind the scenes. I had a relationship. It started with lies. I was a preteen. I started to hear lies that said, um, you're not good enough. Put on more makeup. Change again. Get better clothes. Wash your face 10 times. I'm talking about a 10-year-old. Lies. And I kept going back to the lie and back to the lie and back to the lie. Then it progressed with forming wrong relationships to feed those lies. But then it led to forming a relationship with a guy that Satan was gonna to try to use to kill me. And it was because of that relationship that my boxes were packed, everything, it was over. And now I had to face my dad. So let me just fast forward. What I wanna to talk to you just in the next few minutes, and if you have to go, you have to go. I hope you can stay till I'm done. It's, I won't be long. but. This place where you're at, I know firsthand that this place, this Christian college, is where the enemy wants to completely sabotage the plan of God for your life. I'm telling you, this morning he does, this afternoon he does, and tonight when you go to bed he does. So he's working it out. This isn't a, this isn't a talk, like a, a morbid talk to make us all depressed. We must talk about this. How many say amen? I need to hear you louder. Help me out. Amen. Amen. He has a plan. This isn't just like fun and games, this life we're living. Like, these are my friends, and this is, this is what I like to do, and this. No. There is a plan. There's a reason you were put on this planet, and God has a plan for your life. But there's someone who hates that plan because he hates God and he hates his kingdom. So, this plan for you is a baby right now. It's just being formed. When I was at that Bible college, I was just like the plan was starting to work itself out. That's where you are. But that takes me to um, what I want to read like super fast from the New Testament. Since the beginning of time, Satan has tried to sabotage God's plans. If you think through the Old Testament, he constantly tried to kill and steal and destroy the people that were just simply trying to be led by God. Are you trying to be led by God today? The best you can? Hello? Right? The best you can. You're, you're here. You're like you took the classes that you felt like God wanted you to take, that just felt right in your heart. You have plans. You just want to do right. Nobody here wants to do wrong. Everyone just wants to simply be led by God. But since the beginning of time, Satan always, always wanted to still kill, kill and destroy the people of God, the things from the people of God that would accomplish his plan. Okay, so I want to read something really quick. I don't even know if I have time to, but I'm going to anyway. Here we go. Oh, and I just, I am so dependent on my phone today. This is all I have. So if I lose my place or if this phone dies, I'm in serious trouble. Matthew 2, listen to this, okay? Dial in and help me out here because I'm saying this. I'm taking time this morning 
because this is crucial information for you as students. Jesus, Matthew 2.1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands in Jerusalem arrived saying, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. And also, everyone in Jerusalem was disturbed. They're like, what in the world are these people saying? So Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? Okay, so he's already plotting. In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, are not the least among the ruling cities in Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Stop. He's thinking to himself, be the what? The shepherd? So now the plan begins. So now he does something extremely tricky. Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, those wise men that were going to find Jesus, and he said, do me a favor, go to Bethlehem. Let me tell you where this baby is. Imagine that. He gave them the location to go to. He said, go to Bethlehem and search for this child, but then tell me where he is so I can go worship him. How? What an ugly plan, right? He's like giving them directions, if you will. And then he's saying, and then come back and tell me, because guess what he was planning to do? He was planning to kill, steal, and destroy the plan. And the plan was a baby. Okay, remember I just said this plan is the baby. That plan was the baby. It was the greatest plan ever, right? So after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them. It stopped over the baby. And when they saw the star, they were filled with such joy. They saw his mother Mary. They bowed down, and they worshiped Jesus. Then they opened their treasure chests, and such a beautiful picture of worship, and they just gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But this is it. This is the verse I want us to just focus on for you and for me today. When it was time to leave, this is the wise men that are needing to leave now, they returned to their own country by a different route. Okay? If you remember anything today in the Bible from what I'm sharing, it's when the, it was time for the wise men to leave, they went a different route for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is huge. Okay, back to my notes. Listen to this. Satan tried to kill the plan of God through Jesus Christ, but God shows us through this verse how he makes a way for you and me. And you know how he does? He sends us warnings. I'll say it again. He sends you and I warnings. If it weren't for that warning, think of what was at stake. If the wise men had not heard that warning, they would have gone back to Herod. Herod would have found out the enemy, right? Would have found out where the baby was and everything. Where would we even be today, right? God had a plan and Satan tried to sabotage the plan. Okay, so how does this apply to us? The Lord, the Lord gives us warnings, you guys. 
when we are about to return to the things that kill. I'll say it again. The Lord gives us warnings when we're about to return to the, thing that, the things that kill. Let's say it together. The Lord gives us warnings when we're about to return to the thing that kills or things that kill, okay? Now, there will potentially be more attacks. We're going to be finishing up soon. There will potentially be more attacks, you guys, on your lives in this place, on this campus. Again, this is not to play the violin, but it's the truth. In this place, than any other time in your life, the heat is on here because the plan is a baby. Okay? Best time to just settle this. Satan's like, the best time to settle this thing, this God's plan for their lives, is right now I need to find a way to sabotage it. And for me, after warning, after warning, after warning, I go to Bible college. I had, I had so many times not listened to the warnings, and he came for the kill. And then it went from that, listen to what happened in my life. I didn't know that right after that being expelled from school would be probably the most painful two years of anybody's life. Those two years were like a lifetime for me, from hiding and concealing a pregnancy in my own house. I concealed being pregnant until I was eight weeks away from delivering a baby in my own home. From that to being so obsessed with a guy that I gave up jobs. I'm talking about working for Estee Lauder Corporate. You've heard of Estee Lauder that owns like all the cosmetic companies now practically. I was going to work for her, but because of lies and warnings, I missed, because of those lies, I ran, missed those opportunities. I ended up burning so many bridges in my life, so many people that were willing to help me, I lied to, that there was no place left to stay, that I got to a point where I was sleeping anywhere with a baby. It got to the point, because of Bible college, missed all those warnings, and Satan came in for the kill that I go to my parents' house because I'm, I'm skinny. I had checked myself out of a hospital, took the IV out of my arm. It's just nuts. You'd say, are, were you out of your mind? I was. Satan made such a fool out of me. Checked myself out of a hospital, thought, let me drive up to mom and dad's house with the baby. Surely if they see their granddaughter, they'll open the door and they'll let me back in, and then I can kind of keep my relationship as a secret. Pull up to the house. When I get to the front of the house, I knock with my baby on my hip, and my parents didn't let me in. They drew a line in the sand. They saw me destroying myself and destroying myself. I lost my family. I lost my church. I had a baby who relied on me, and I had nothing to give her because I missed every warning. I didn't respond. I kept returning to the thing that kills. But as I close right now, I want us to think about the things in our lives and you know what it is. I could start listing them. I could give you statistics of what young people battle with, but what is the point? You know what you battle with. I don't need to tell you what's on your phone. 
I, I don't need to tell you about the lies, girls and guys, that you hear in your head because you know what they are. I had lies, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Soon I just kept going to the bathroom, into the mirror to hear the lie. I knew where to find the lie and I kept returning to the lie. When this guy was no good for me, when I knew it was a dead end, I kept calling him and returning to the thing that killed. When God was trying to draw me, instead of going to my knees, I would run back to the lie, to the guy, to just my selfish desires, whatever it was. What is it today that you return to? Because ultimately, that thing wants to kill you. Satan has a plan for the baby. And as we close, I'm going to ask the guitar player if you could just play something, if you can. If you can't, we'll just sing something together at the end. What do I want to say here? This is the week of prayer. And you're thinking probably, what is she saying about prayer? This is what I'm saying about prayer. Prayer, for a lot of you, could feel like a chore. And the reason why it feels like a chore is because it's a one-way street. You think you just have to, like, sit and talk to God. But think about that. Why would I want to talk to my husband? Think of how frustrating it would be if my husband was mute and he couldn't talk to me back. Think of how hard it would be to talk to him. And that's what we have wrong about prayer. Prayer is a two-way street. And these warnings that I'm talking about that our God who loves us so much gives us is sort of part of prayer, if you will. When we talk to God and say, God, this is prayer to me. I'm tempted today. That thing is sitting there. Or it's nighttime. That thing is on my end table, and I know what I have access to in that thing. And I'm tempted right now. That's actually prayer. I have news for you. You think prayer is, uh, you know, oh, holy God in heaven, you know, hallowed. No, it's not always like that, okay? It's talking to God and then God talking back to you. So guess what he does? He says, you know what? John or Susan, whatever your name is here, I have a way out. That thing, let me warn you, okay? This is prayer. Let me warn you, you pick up that thing. And you're going to feel horrible when it's over. You're going to wake up the next morning and say, why am I even here? I'm not worthy to be here. You know, I don't need to tell you. It's that relationship, whatever it is. You know exactly, and the Lord is so kind. Prayer is so beautiful because the Holy Spirit is like, let me tell you what to do. I have a way out for you. I have a way out for you. Real quick as I close, listen to this. This is a chapter from my book. I want to just see if I could get to it. It's right here. This is after I come home. God did such a miracle for me. People prayed in a prayer meeting in Brooklyn. There was, my husband was in that prayer meeting. He was just my friend at the time. How many people were in that prayer meeting? About 1,500 people, right? Guess what they did? They prayed for me because someone got a warning, if you will, from the Spirit. It said, tonight's Chrissy's night if we pray. They brought the note up to my dad, who was like so broken. Can you imagine? You guys, I don't know if any of you are parents yet, but 
Imagine not knowing where your daughter is, not knowing like if what your granddaughter is like. You, you're, you're separated because of sin from them. And he says, guys, I don't know what to tell you. I just got this note, and I feel like we're supposed to pray for Chrissy. So could you, we all stand and pray? They stood, and what he describes to me, I was not there, but what he describes to me is it was like a labor room. There's different kind of prayer. There's the kind of prayer of like, Lord, I'm tempted right now. I need you now. There's other prayer that's like, God, I need you. She needs you. We need you. It's like a shouting out because you're desperate. And what they did that night is they were not, it wasn't quiet prayers. It was like they were giving birth to a miracle. So they prayed, they prayed. Guess what happens to me? At five minutes, I'm in a room in Brooklyn. I'm in a room in Brooklyn, and all of a sudden, my baby's in a crib, and I was at the lowest point. That night, I tried to take my life, but there was no medication in the, in the, in the um, vanity. I would have taken my life. I was at the end, the night they were going to pray. So they pray, and in my room, not thinking, there's a prayer meeting where people are praying for me. I have this experience that was like out of a scary movie. There's this dark figure in my room like walks in and I'm laying in bed and I'm just seeing this ugly, disgusting figure. And then I'm seeing this bright light, amazing, amazingly beautiful figure. And they start talking to each other. The dark figure says to the light figure, she, and points to me, I promise you, I don't talk like this, this really happened. She is mine. And now I'm going to take her life. And it moved like a cloud over my daughter's crib. And all that I know, all I remember is that I just fell asleep into the most peaceful sleep. Now, how could you fall into a peaceful sleep after a horror movie like that, right? But people were praying for me, and they were battling it out for me, right? Like some of you that are stronger than others in this school need to do for your friends. You need to battle it out for your friends. Stop looking and saying, wow, they're in really bad shape and start fighting for them in prayer. So I wake up the next morning, same girl, same like addictions, if you will. But I said to the lady that I was staying with, I said, could we pray this morning? And I even said it. I was like, why in the world am I saying this? <laughs> and then I start to pray and I said, God, I can't do this. Please help me say goodbye to this relationship. I've tried. I've made promises. I break every single one. I can't do it. Help me to push away these lies. I can't do it on my own anymore. Well, what I didn't know is those chains had already been broken in prayer the night before. I didn't know. All I knew is I felt light that morning. I didn't feel burdened. I roll up to my parents' house. It was the most beautiful scene, better than any movie you've ever seen in your life, I promise. The best ending ever. But let me tell you something really, really quick. Two minutes left. Oh, gosh, stay with me all day. Here's this. I'm, I get back home. My life is like, it's, it was painful because now I have a kid. I miss the guy. I was confused, but I knew God had helped me. He had saved me. But listen to this talk. My parents say, go get a job. Oh, I'm like, great. Oh, get a job in makeup and fashion. They're like, no, 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 no. Get a job as a receptionist right by the house. So I do. Listen to this from my book. This is at my desk. Um, let me read it from that. So I'm at my desk. I reached into my lower desk drawer to pull out the overnight delivery paperwork. 
when a sound arrested me. This is months after I came home, said goodbye to this guy. Usually the music playing overhead blended into the general sounds that filled the reception area, but this time I could hear the familiar song clearly, one that I hadn't heard in a while. Without warning, I became paralyzed and a knot started forming in the pit of my stomach. The sultry melody created a haze around me that began to cloud my mind and the, the song was tempting me, wrapping its notes around me, you know what I'm talking about, and gradually luring me back. The voice in my head was so strong, and I know this happens to you too. I'm not the only one, right? We hear voices as if someone were leaning over me, seductively whispering, you know what you want to be, or you know you want to be the girl he's singing about in that song. That's what you've been living for the last couple of years. What's changed about that? You will always strive to be that girl, Chrissy, won't you? Why don't you leave now? You don't want to be at this desk your parents told you to work at. You know exactly where to find him. I started to plan what I would say to my parents, figuring out how I was going to get to Jay, that's what we're calling him, his job in Manhattan, and where I would wait, even if it was just to get a glimpse of him. Wait a minute, no, what am I thinking? I covered my face with both hands. I don't want to think that way anymore, I whispered aloud. I'm going to destroy everything. God, I need your help again. These voices, I'm so tired of these voices. This is prayer, you guys. This is prayer. How many understand what I'm talking about? Please help me right now. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Harris is not available. Would you like to be connected with his assistant? This is going on while I'm at work. Even while I was taking the calls, I was still trying to shake off the sense of attack I had just experienced. But as last, uh, at the last two hours of work went by, I experienced a wall of calmness surrounding me. This whole episode reminded me of something that I heard a preacher say when I was a kid, as I close. When we walk with God, it's not that we stop fighting. It's just that we've now invited him into the battle. Can we all stand? I don't know how many of you are in a battle right now. It might be four out of five. It might be five out of five because this is the place where the plan is still a baby and Satan comes to sabotage the plan. So when you're tempted, don't think like you're alone. Okay, we're going to pray right now. In Jesus' name, let's do this. I'm going to ask you to do something. It might feel weird, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Take your hand, put it on the shoulder of the person next to you. Okay, or do, yeah, just hug, be cozy. Here we go. Could you just pray for that person next to you? I don't need to lead you. Pray for them to heed the warning. Come on, pray for them today, Lord. You're going to send warnings. And God, we're going to hear the warning. Protect them from evil. Help us to wake up. Hallelujah. Come on, one more minute. Keep praying. I know you don't want to stop praying because this is real prayer right here. 
This is real prayer, and we went over two minutes. So I love you. Goodbye. I hope to see you again. Thank you so much. God bless you.